am angry because this shouldn't have happened. Anger and tears for Rosalie Rosemont, knowing her search for justice has taken so long. A decade ago, her sister, Charlene Rosemont, was found murdered in their father's car, and nothing has been the same since. It's just been a very, very difficult time for my family. It's hard to just grasp the fact that it's been 10 years. Charlene Rosemont was last seen alive on April 7, 2009. Charlene was 23 years old. She was still living with her parents in Everett, took the tea every day to her job at this car dealership on Com Ave in Brighton. But on April 7th, things were going to change for Charlene. Well, she borrowed my dad's car. Um, she didn't want to take the tea that day, and my dad wasn't working until later. When Charlene showed up for work that day, she had $4,000 cash in her wallet. She told her family that after work, a friend was going to help her buy a car. But first, Charlene went to this gym across the street. She talked to her mother at about 6 p.m. Charlene's dad needed his car back. She spoke to my mom. It was about 7 p.m. that evening, and she said she was on her way home because my dad needed his car, and that was the last conversation anyone ever had with her. But Charlene never came home. The next day, her family filed a missing persons report. April 13th, almost a full week after Charlene vanished, a tip led police to this parking lot in Somerville behind an apartment building on Webster Street near Union Square. She had been shot once in the head. Middlesex County District Attorney Marion Ryan says ballistic evidence is giving investigators a clear idea of how Charlene was killed. We know from where the shot was fired, there was at least somebody in the back seat who was that person, what happened. I believe my sister was murdered for the money. DA Ryan says there were witnesses. One person was arrested for perjury, but no one has said enough to make an arrest in Charlene's shooting. We know there are people who know things. And when you think about the trauma of, of losing a child, losing your sister in this way so tragically, it, that is hard enough but then not to be able to see that someone's held accountable. Rosalie is hoping one of those people will finally come forward now, 10 years later, to give her family some peace. I know it wouldn't bring my sister back, but it would definitely bring justice to my sister's murder and for my family, just to know that these people are not out there. She didn't deserve to be killed. She didn't deserve to be robbed. She didn't deserve any of it. If you have any information about what happened to Charlene Roseman, contact investigators at the Middlesex County DA's office at 781-897-6600. It's time for a legendary introduction. Welcome to Unpacking the Pot. I really think nobody does it better. Join the conversation as we cover everything from life and relationships. All a woman wants is a choice. Inspiring interviews. That just hit me. Wow. And everything in between. Just keeping it real. We keeping it all the way real. Whoa. Now let's start unpacking. This is Linnea, your host, and welcome back to Unpacking the Box podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, 
Tonight, I'm here with fellow creative, fellow podcaster, host of the Rosie Perspective podcast, Rosie, Queen Rosie. She is here today to share her sister Charlene Rosemond's story. She was murdered 12 years ago, April 2009, and the case is still unsolved. how are you good how are you thank you so much for having me on girl yes of course girl I've been waiting to collab with you I'm, I'm excited yes me too thank you thank you definitely have to speak about my sister's story and continue to get it out there so I really appreciate you reaching out to have me on to talk about it yes of course of course so before we get started you know for those who don't know where are you from I am from Boston Massachusetts Okay. How is it in Boston? <laughs> How you like it there? I mean, I don't like it like that. Okay. <laughs> I do want to leave, but I'm one of those people that wants to leave their hometown, but I'm scared. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. maybe later on in life. So right now I'll just travel and get my experiences other places. But I mean, Boston's home. You get what I'm saying? But I would like yeah. to experience somewhere else. <laughs> you because I feel that I'm, I'm the same way it's like I want to move but I, it's almost like it's the familiar you know you're familiar in the familiar yes. surroundings and so you just don't know visiting vacations yeah but to actually live somewhere else you know I feel you yeah that's risky <laughs> yes it is all right so before we get all serious I want to talk about the rosy perspective you know for a moment so for those who don't know what they should know okay so um what does your show entail tell us about your show my show pretty much entails, um, you know, most of it's relationship conversations. However, I do incorporate, you know, different stories and I do have different interviews, which range from pretty much from like true crime to sexual abuse to sometimes just funny, you know, homegirl topics with your homegirl just kicking it. I like a little bit of everything. That's just my personality. I watch everything. Like I'm willing to give anything a try. So it's pretty broad as far as topics because that's the type of person I am. Like whatever interests mm-hmm. me is what we're going to talk about. So I have something for everybody on my platform. Yes, that's why I love it so much. I love your podcast. So, and I told you that before I do, I listen to it all the time at work. Actually, I got my friend to listen to it too with me. So we listen to it together. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So what sparked your interest in podcasting? Like why podcasting? I mean, honestly, besides the fact, you know, it was a pandemic, which is when a lot of people started. I'm one of those people. Um, you know, I've always been like the person to vocalize my thoughts which you know sometimes were or were not considered you know the norm and my friends would be like girl you need to speak to people like they need to hear this foolishness (laughs) and um so I was like you know what once I realized podcasting is a little different than the radio because I cuss a lot um and I like (laughs) to say whatever the hell I want so I like being able to have that free will to do so you know if I have to because the coins is right I'm gonna you know say clean it up but right now you know podcasting it takes a while to get your coins up with the podcasting so until then I'm gonna do some cussing so I just like being able to do you know whatever the hell I want on my platform (laughs) right I love it yes and speaking of your podcast one of the very first episodes that I listened to was the one where you were talking about your sister because I remember hitting you up I hit you up because instantly you know as a reflex 
Yes. I was like, girl, have you reached out to Unsolved Mysteries? Because first of all, I wanted to listen to the episode because number one, I didn't know that that happened. I knew about your podcast before, but I was like, I was just taken aback by that, you know, because you know, you see people on social media, you just don't know the, the, the stories behind people and what things people are, you know, things people are going through. So and I like uh, crime dramas and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm gonna check this episode out. And I was just blown away. And my first thought was, as a reflex, was like, oh my God, let me hit her up. Have you reached out to the mainstream places? And I remember you telling me that you tried. And I wasn't thinking at the time, we all know why, you know, her story is not on mainstream. I mean, we, we it's pretty clear, right? Cause she's black and we don't get that type of coverage. But I'm just like, you know, this story needs to be all over the place. So that's another reason why I brought you here. I really want to talk about this. So. For those who do not know, let's let's talk about your sister Charlene. So, tell us if you can walk us through. And obviously, you know, we I asked you before. You know, if you're comfortable, if you're not comfortable, you can stop. I understand. But um, walk us through the days leading up to when she was found, and you know, after that, on that day, April third, two thousand nine. Hold on, correction, April thirteenth, two thousand nine. All right, so first she went, um, she went missing on April 7th, 2009. And at the time, which I've stated plenty of times before, I was pregnant with my son. I was, you know, eight months pregnant. And unfortunately, you know, you, her and I weren't talking, you know, you have sister drama. It's just like, you know what, I ain't mm-hmm. going to talk to you until I'm ready. So unfortunately, you know, that's something that sticks with me is that, you know, we had a petty sister argument and then she passed away. And that's why it's like, sometimes, you know, you feel like you have the opportunity to just make up later, but you may not have that opportunity. But so she went, she went to work that day and she was talking to my mom on the phone. And, you know, my mom was just like, okay, make sure you come home. She was planning to move out with some friends um, to actually live with one of these girls that she was cool with. Uh, I didn't really like her. She was a little raggedy. But, um, <laughs> you know, she <laughs> she decided she was going to move out with her, whatever the case is. She talked to my mom. My mom was like, you know, my dad was like, let her know that I need my car to for her to come home. My dad didn't really need his car. He just wanted her to come home. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he just wanted her to be at the house for whatever reason so she spoke to my mom told my mom she's on her way home um and that was maybe around seven in the evening so that night you know we went to sleep no big deal she was 23 so it was probably like she'll come home later however the next morning my mom woke up early to go to work and she it was maybe like six o'clock in the morning and she came in my room and she was like rosalie she is not here I'm not tripping because I'm thinking, you know, maybe she's out and she's going to sneak in real quick and get ready for work. So I said, once I call her job at her start time, if she does not show up for work, then there's a problem for real. Because my sister do not play games when it comes to working. And so once I called her job when they opened, I asked if she was there and they're like, no, Charlene's not here. So now she's told my mom she's coming home. She hasn't brought my dad's car and she's not at work. At that point, we knew like something is a problem. Oftentimes people are like, you know, of course we went to the police right that morning. My dad was like, we have to go. Like, you know, I wasn't quite as worried as my parents were because I know that, you know, sometimes when you mm-hmm. young, sneaking in, but I don't know if it's dad intuition, mom's intuition. They were like, no, no, no. So we went to the police station. Of course, 
being that she's 23, they're like, oh, she's an adult. So she's technically not missing. You have to wait 48 hours, which is brutal because everybody knows that's the most crucial time. And we didn't sit there and wait for the 48 hours. That's insanity. So we started doing our own research. Started, I started contacting all her, her friends. We started driving around looking for her. We could not find her. Um, finally, one of her friends told me that she was with you know, a mutual friend um of hers so we went to go ask him like have you seen her he's like super nonchalant like oh no i haven't seen her but you're said to be the last person with her i don't understand but nonetheless um he said he hasn't seen her and so the whole six days go by we're looking for her we're looking for her we can't find her um and so finally on april 13th we get a call from a family member and then my homegirl also called and she said that my sister was found in Somerville, Massachusetts, Union Square, behind one of the um, apartment buildings there. And she was found in my dad's car and she was shot um, in the back of the head. So unfortunately, after the six days of searching, um, you know, we did not find her alive. And that mm -hmm. was very, very tough for me and my family. I mean, at, at some point, and, and it's not like you're, you're pessimistic. However, if you know the habits of your family member, your sister, your daughter, and you can't find them for six days, like it's very rare that you're gonna find them at all. I am like, you know, some people have the unfortunate um, situation where they never find their family member, their friend. You know, I would have preferred to obviously find my sister alive. Mm -hmm. However, you know, after the six days we did find her, but. I'm telling you, like within the first two days, we knew like there's no way because we just knew there was no way she would do this to us. Yeah, that's that's hard. I'm, I could only imagine because it's unimaginable. That's 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 tough. That's tragic. I'm so sorry that happened to you and your family. No, I mean, thank you. I definitely appreciate, you know, the kind words. You definitely reached out. I know we went back and forth a little bit in the DMs. And, you know, it's like after 12 years, um, mm -hmm. It's almost 13 years. It's crazy because, you know, I was just talking to my dad the other day because people assume, you know, after time goes on, you know, you, you really don't feel it as much. And obviously the people that experience it know that that's not true. So even after 12 years, being that I was talking to my dad about it the other day, and we're still in disbelief. Like, I still cannot believe it. 12 years, I think I'll be 90 and I'll be like, I literally can't believe this has happened. I just can't. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like you said, it's not mainstream America. She wasn't a missing white girl. So it's like, okay, every time I speak to the detectives or the police station, oh yeah, we don't have anything new. We'll keep you posting. And it's just like, I mean, that's it. And I know they have a million cases, but damn, you get what I'm saying? Like, that's it. We're yeah, just it's not been a thing about it. Like it's been a long time. And then also too, I just want to say, I'm, I do apologize for getting the date wrong. I don't know why I said the third. I know it's the 13th. I apologize for that, sis. Oh no, that's um, okay. But yeah, but but it's been too damn long. Okay, that is too long. So, and I was right. just getting ready to ask you, like you guys still like in, in constant contact with the police? Like how often do you check? And like, do they say the same thing every single time? Uh, yes, honestly, every single time. We did have a situation where several years ago I went to the police station because at that point I had found out, you know, every now and then I would go in and check. I do call, but I was within the area and I went to the active police station to check 
And so they called one of the detectives out back and he was like, oh, the detective that was working on the case has retired. I'm like, well, that sucks because that detective, I did feel like was one of the detectives that actually cared about the case. Like, I mm -hmm. feel like, he, and I'm still in contact with him till this day. I feel like he genuinely cares, but he is retired and he still tries to, you know, work on the case even from, you know, being the retiree that he is. Um, so the new detective came out and he was just like, oh, hi. You know, I'm working on the case. He's just like, I have Charlene's case. Um, you know, I'll keep you posted. It was very short and bland. And he was like, oh, can you just like refresh my memory? So I was just so taken aback by the fact that he like knew nothing about my sister's case. Like you mm. could tell that he was winging that shit. Like he did not know what I was talking about. So I blasted him on Facebook. I went on, I tagged the police department and I just let them know like he freaking sucks. They suck. Don't sit there and lie to my face acting like you're working on the case and you're not. So finally I did speak to him uh, later on and he kept it real. He's like, honestly, uh, when you came into my office, I had never even touched your sister's case. It was like somewhere in the back file. Like, wow. I was just like, damn, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's yes. just another number. Like he had never even, I won't say he didn't hear about her case. He might've heard like her name maybe, you know, through, through the grapevine, but he knew nothing about the case, but that was, the, that was the detective assigned to the damn case. I'm like, wow. So, you know, I end up working with him after the fact he apologized i can't tell you if it's sincere or if it's not sincere at this point i mm -hmm. don't know who i'm more pissed off at maybe the higher ups like you gave this guy the case but you never even you know tried to make it a point for him to actually work it it's just the name attached to it so i was just very disappointed because to be honest in the beginning of the whole case I'm the one that provided the the freaking detectives with all the details and all the information to kind of carry the whole case. So the fact that they have not made an arrest, it's it's mind boggling. Like I, I can't mm -hmm. believe they have not made an arrest, but I guess she's just another number in their, their file, which is very sad for me and my family, you know? It is because you guys need closure. You need to, Absolutely. you know, closure, you know, and I don't think they think about that. Like people, when things happen like that, you need that closure to help you, you know, obviously you're always going to miss your sister. You're always going to be, you know, hurting, but you do need that closure. That's, that's very important for your well-being, for your mental, for your emotional. And so I think that's ridiculous. It is crazy. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. You know, and my parents, you know, they're aging, they're not old, but they're aging. And it's just like being her sister and, we were best friends. It's not like, oh yeah, we were sister. We weren't that close. No, like we mm -hmm. were very, very close. Like we were two years apart. If you've seen Charlene, you've seen me. And you know, having my son and having to experience like becoming a mom for the first time. And you know, she wanted me to have a son and my son was born two weeks after her funeral. It was just a very sad time, you know, for my family. And it's like, it's like a sense of guilt. Can I be excited that my son's here? Of course I want to be, but at the same time, it was so fresh. Two weeks after her funeral, there was an excitement like in my home. Of course, my parents were happy my son was here, but it was just a tough time to transition from such a loss to now being in a happy place due to a new, um, you know, a new member of the family. So that that was just very tough for us to to have to deal with. And it's just like, my sister, I want to bring that closure for my family. If if anything, I just feel like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can't explain it. Like being someone that's lost their sister. And oftentimes I wonder, you know, is she disappointed that we haven't solved it? Is she disappointed that I, it's just like, 
I don't know what else to do at this point. So I really do appreciate you having me on here to spread the word. You just never know who knows anything at this point. I just feel, I feel discouraged to be honest. Like it's just yeah. 12 years later, you know? Yeah. I think anybody can, you know, in your shoes will relate to that. I mean, it's been a, a long time. You, of course you're frustrated because they're not giving you guys any answers and you sound like you're doing more work than they have, you know? Exactly. And that's crazy. And I just can't understand like time and time again, we see this all the time in media. You know, we have like these small platforms, but we do so much more work than mainstream. The stories that we get out there, the people that we talk to, like I talk about this all the time. We we have these small platforms, but we're, we, we tell these heavy stories that mainstream media is not even, they don't even want to cover it, you yeah. know? Absolutely. And the thing is, so when she went missing, I... I've never experienced this before. It's crazy because you see these things happening to other families all the time. However, once you're living in it, there's just so much shit you don't realize how to do. An example, mm -hmm. I don't know how the hell to get on the news to let them know my sister's missing. I'm on Google. I'm trying to, you know, look up numbers to call a lot of places, but you call, but you have to have like a connect. So I was reaching out. I was emailing a bunch of news stations like my sister's missing. I want to get it on there. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking now I never thought to, act, to actually go to the news stations, but I did mm -hmm. try to do everything that I could as far as calling. And girl, no, nobody was giving us a time or day. Did not care, did not care. There was only one newscaster and he was actually what? A black guy. His name is Todd. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to say his last name, but Todd, he was the only one that came to our home maybe four days in and he covered, um, you know, her story. But of course, when they put it on the news, the shit was like, 30 seconds long, like, oh, there's a missing woman and blah, blah, and called it a day. But when I tell you, once my sister's body was found, outside all the news stations were there. Everybody wanted to interview. I'm like, literally, fuck you. Like, I'm not giving you anything. You guys literally could have tried to help us within the first six days, but I guess now you want to be the one to break the story that she was found. I'm like, it doesn't matter now. What is that going to do for my family now? When we needed you guys, you guys weren't there. So I realized that was one thing I did not know, but I realized that's how it works. We don't care about her when she's missing, but when she's dead and you guys find her, we want to be the first ones to break the story. Like what? Mm -hmm. Mainstream media is very toxic and they're very yeah. strategic in their toxicity. So I've, I've learned that too, like being in media, like, oh, I see, I see what kind of games they playing, you know? So that's why it's up to us, you know? to work together to just get these things out ourselves you know because obviously we can't wait on them to get our stories yeah. out because it would never happen you know but absolutely but I'm with you sis I, I, I it's crazy so let's talk about your sister Charlene like tell me or tell us what was your sister like what what is her legacy honestly first of all my sister was she was like the best big sister I could ever have like I have five siblings but her and I were the closest like honestly most of the ways that I am now I got from her first of all she was very hardworking. she was very resilient she was very ambitious she had a plan in motion she loved to do hair so she was you know the family's cosmetologist and even at the young age before we even hit our 20s she's like i'm gonna own a hair salon we made we made it a point that we were gonna have you know a sister business so i would be you know admin or i would be at the front desk but she would have the the hair salon she would be doing hair we had all these plans mm -hmm. um and she just loved to be around her family and friends. She was very family oriented. She always gave, 
even people she shouldn't, she always gave them a chance. She always, you know, saw the good in people, even if there was nothing to see. But, you know, she loved to travel. She traveled a little bit before she passed, but she was just, she was a go-getter. If I think if I could say like number one, like she was a go-getter and she was very hardworking. So, you know, it's unfortunate that I can't see all the things that we talked about, you know, while we were teenagers or while we were making plans about the future and where we would be. And then now to be 33, I'm a mom, like, you know, there's no cosmetology business. I can't do hair for shit. So I'm mm -hmm. like, I can't even open up a hair salon. Like that was something <laughs> we should have done together, but it's very unfortunate that, you know, um, she was taken way too soon. Yeah. So, and I, what kinds of things have you done and are doing to help maintain your healthy mental space? Um, so I like to say that I've, I've had one conversation, I believe, other than my own podcast. Um, I had talked about this with another podcaster. Um, we need to talk podcast because he had lost a sibling. So we did an episode on how, you know, we felt together. And other than him, I haven't really talked to any other podcasters besides you now, but I have this thing where I say like, um, my sister's death and her murder, I put it in like a box, like a mental box. And I don't really tap in there if I don't have to. Um, you know, because I feel like it will bring me to a depression. So mm -hmm. I feel like it's in the box of hurt, of hurt places, things I can't change. So I just try to steer away from deep diving in my thoughts about it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about it today and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that because I mentally prepared to have to tap into that box. But other than that, I just kind of think of the good memories. Um, to be honest, I'm still winging it being that it's 12 years later, I really don't know. Some days I'm great. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to keep her memory alive. Other days I'm super discouraged because like I said, I'm like, is she disappointed in me for not having gotten this solved? And I know it's not on me, but I personally feel like it's on me. I feel like that is what I need to do before I leave this earth. Like they need to go to jail for what mm -hmm. they did to my sister. Yes. I understand you I, and I'm I hurt with you like that's why when, when I heard the story I was like this is crazy like 12 years we're going into 13 years that's ridiculous it should have been at that time at that moment Absolutely. I can't stand when like I hear stories because I watch crime stories like this all the time where it's always the black family and they go to the police and they give them all the information that they need and they yep. still don't do anything that's ridiculous right. to me it's like this was a human being this was a, a beautiful black woman who should still be here she her life mattered our voices matter our lives matter it is so irritating to me which is why like when I first started this podcast, I was doing something totally different, but I literally, and I talk about God all the time and I'm never going to stop talking about it. He told me I'm supposed to be doing something so much bigger and better. And that's why I shifted. And I talked to a lot of people now with like these kind of stories, like, cause we have, we, we have no one else but us to tell these stories. No, absolutely. that's all we got. Absolutely. It's like, we're listening and we're listening and we're also the ones putting out the story and it's like we're relying on each other at this point like you could yeah. give the police the information but if they don't feel like it's a priority you've done all that work for nothing because it's still sitting there you know it's just like okay and we all know the more time that passes the harder it becomes so why are you not taking the initiative to 
you know, make things happen in the moment. Instead, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to wait. We don't have enough. But in addition to that, I'll be honest, in addition to the police, of course, not doing their work, I mm -hmm. need Black people in our community to also do the work. Like, I'm just I know it's easy to look at white people and white people, and that's fine too, because everyone has to be accountable. However, in this community, I will say, especially in my sister's case, the area that we lived in is not, you know, some gangbanger hood. It's not like these people have like, you know, a street code of, you know, what it's not that type of neighborhood, although it's trash when people do that in that neighborhood as well. But regardless mm -hmm. of such, it's like, People know what happened to my sister. And I will say that until I'm blue in the face. People know what happened. People in the city know what happened. I've heard things through the grapevine. There was like an online forum on Lipstick Alley where this girl had wrote in, in the moment, this was like a couple days or a couple weeks after it happened. And she was basically talking about, I know what happened to Charlene, but I'm afraid to talk. Should I tell, should I not? In the comments, I'm sitting there watching the comments and I'm reading them. Plenty of people like, no girl, mind your business. Like, yeah. I don't say nothing. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, and I didn't find it till months later. But of course, you know, the person at the end, the person was like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to mind my business. I understand people don't want to take the risk because obviously they may feel like their life is in danger. But all we're going to have is a bunch of unsolved murders. And it's just like, it's unfortunate, but someone has to take that leap and be the person to speak up for the family members. If I knew, you know, I would I would do something. I've given all that I could give. I, I could give. But other mm -hmm. people have to be willing to do that within the community because it seems like people are so quick to be like, oh, well, you know, other races are doing this, this, this. Okay, can we focus about what we're doing? Like, what mm -hmm. are we doing? How are we Black people 90% of the time are very aware of what went down and who shot who and who killed who? And we just mute about it. Just not going to say nothing about it. And what do you think happens? They hit again. But if it's not their family in the meantime, they're just like, that ain't my business. But unfortunately, when it happens to someone's family, and I would hate for it to have to happen to someone's family, but that's yeah. where it hits them differently. Like, oh, can somebody please speak up? Yeah, that that's that's what we should be doing in our community in order to, you know, lower some of the crime rate, we would put some of these people away, but if they're all out there because nobody wants to talk, we're all fucked. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely some work that needs to be done within our community for sure. Like, cause it's like, cause at the end of the day, we all know what it is. We know that we know how we're, we know what we look like. Cause we look like each other. We know that people don't care about us. That's already established, you know? So now it's just time to start doing stuff ourselves, you know, because obviously we know nobody's coming to save us. Nobody cares. They don't want us here. They don't, they don't care. So, and we know this, so we got to just, that's just what it is. It is what it is. Nope, absolutely. You know, absolutely. so, but I, I told you, I feel your pain. Like you are doing amazing work, although you shouldn't even have to do the leg work and all the work that you have done thus far and that you continue to do. You shouldn't even have to do that because that is why the police um, uh, are in that authority. They're in that, that, exactly. that uh, position because they're supposed to protect us and help us with things like this, you know, but I commend you for all the work that you've done that you shouldn't have to have done, you know? No, but thank you. I appreciate it. I'm like, sometimes I get exhausted, not because it's not worth doing, but it's like, I feel like I'm at a dead end. It's just like, you know, and having to 
relive my feelings about it and having to process that on a daily basis and then you don't feel like you're getting anywhere it's just like Mm -hmm. shit this sucks you know what I'm saying like I'm not saying that you know I I wouldn't mind doing the work of course I will forever do the work and you know always every day I don't mind it but it's just like when I feel like no progress is being made and it's just like okay you just have to tap into the box that I told you I have the box and I don't like tapping in there because of my mental state like having to fathom the fact that she is physically not here having to fathom the fact that this is what happened like you know my parents are great parents they raised us in a way they took us out of situations to make sure that we had a great upbringing to make sure that they paid for my sister to go through college they made you do all that work and then someone just decides okay I'm just going to take her life and you really have to just accept that you got to move on you have to continue living your life you got to go to work you know it's just like mm-hmm. you know after after she passed away of course my dad's a few people at his job they came to the funeral etc and then like three months later uh you know they end up laying him off they don't care people Mm -hmm. don't care and it's just like I feel that way as a sister I can only imagine how my parents feel for my dad that was his first child so now that she's not here it's like having to see me and my parents are very close and it's like but I just had two kids like yeah wow like having to realize that you know, she's not here. It's a lot. I think that takes a toll on everybody's mental. I spoke to him, like I said, the other day and, you know, we, we, we talked about it. He's just, like, I still can't believe it. Like I think about it all the time. You know, he said he silently cries to himself. Like he's just like, I can't believe it. And I'd be so caught up in my feelings and my mental state. Like it really took me, took me sitting and talking to him, you know, and being like, you know what? Like, just because he seems okay, just like I seem okay sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what the hell he'd be thinking about, you know, as a parent. Mm-hmm. And still, and you know, and the fact that you're still out here, you're doing amazing things with your podcast and all the different stuff that you're doing and your parents are still here because, you know, we've seen it go other ways where, because that rips family apart, families apart and right. it rips it rips people apart just health-wise. It, I mean, it can kill you. Like that stress and that toll and that grief you know, it, it's hard on the body. And I don't think people understand that. Like grief is not just you crying or you're sad, but it physically takes a toll on your body. So Absolutely. the fact that you guys are still here, that's, that's, that's inspiring, you know, and I just really pray for you guys. I pray that eventually someone will do the right thing because someone will be arrested because it, it was just wrong and it needs to be fixed. It needs to be corrected. No. absolutely that's what I pray I pray you know at this point being that it's 12 years it's gonna take you know someone to to do the right thing and you know I I would just really appreciate and hope that someone out there that does know what happened does give the police the information that's needed it's like we're so close but yet we're still so far away it shouldn't have lingered this long 12 years and you know, so sometimes you can't help but compare. Some people you see, they catch the killer within two weeks. Sometimes they catch them within 20 minutes. Sometimes you look at other cases, 50, 50, five, zero years later, they still haven't caught them. So it's just like, you know, I'm just, unfortunately, another another case, another situation in the long line of, you know, crime and murder stories. And unfortunately, our number's 12, but I'm hoping we don't get to 15, we don't get to 20, we don't get to 60, you know? So yeah, I just hope that somebody out there does hear and they do remember this case or 
whatever the case is, and, and finally de decide to speak up and put these people away. They just don't need to be out there. These people are willing to do it one time. They're going to do it again. They're going to do it again. Like, why wouldn't they if they feel like they can get away with it? We don't need these people out there in society. People could be friends with these people right now and not know that they just out here killing people. It's just insanity. Yeah. Yes. So when you are looking to like focus elsewhere, like fun stuff, what kind of stuff do you like to do for fun? Traveling. Traveling? <laughs> I feel you. Girl, I would get on a plane <laughs> so quick. Listen, I love traveling. It just puts me in a different place a different mindset for the four or five days maybe two days I just feel like you know I'm living a different life and then I come back to reality but I love yeah. traveling but if I'm here um I like to try new things with my friends you know typical go out to eat but I do try like new adventures like recently I went axe throwing girl who knew I could throw an axe but I was I was <laughs> out there axing okay oh, no, that's right <laughs> I know that's right asking so girl I'm listen gonna, so aside from traveling I'm definitely down to like try new things and just kind of see you know what's out there and not just stay in the typical lane of you know movies and stuff like that I want to do some activities yes I love it I love it well listen I'm so happy and thankful and grateful that you came on the show to talk about your story and I know you've talked about it before and I know it's difficult to keep revisiting and revisiting but I, I appreciate you for coming on. I thank you for your bravery. Like that's so brave of you to be able to talk about that, you know? And and also it it's a, a true testament to your strength. You're a strong woman. Um, so definitely keep going, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. It's your sister, you know, that's your family. So you gotta, you gotta continue telling her story wherever you can. And I want you to know, because I'm a fan of you, and a lot of times when I'm a fan of podcasters, I will listen to other podcasts that they are on. And I know you mentioned earlier that you were on another show, which I heard we need to talk podcast. You were talking about yes. it was his brother who passed away, right? I heard yes. that episode. Yes, I did. Cause I love you, sis. I love your podcast. So anything you on, that's real, real. I told you before. Like when I hit you, when that first episode I heard, I listened to your, your podcast every since then. And I told you that, and I know we talk here and there, but that's real. I just want you to know that. No, thank you. I appreciate it. And honestly, like I have been podcasting now for like a year and a half, but you're one of the first people that stand out to me. You have been like supportive throughout my whole podcast journey so far. And even though like we don't personally know each other, yeah. I always remember like you just hitting me up and I'll be like, I see you, sis. Or you'll be like, I see you, sis. So it's like, <laughs> we've always had that support. And I really appreciate it because sometimes you don't get that, you know, yes. from other sisters. But I know that's never been an issue between the two of us. So I'm really like grateful that you've always been, you know, very supportive. And I see you. I see you doing your thing. You are author and everything, girl. You be <laughs> having you, your with these big people, girl. <laughs> and you also really talk about important stuff. I believe, didn't you have like the... um. At one time, did you have the mayor of Baltimore on? Yes, I did. Yep, I yes. did. Brandon Scott. Yep. <laughs> yes, you did. I know you had Tashina Arnold on. Yeah, I did. Yes, sure did. And you have some <laughs> twins on. I never heard of the twins before I listened to your episode. They're like, I don't know if they dancing twins. I think they're yes. on the West Yes. Oh, the Nene twins. Yep, they did. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes, I had. So I hadn't heard of them until I listened to your episode. But no, you're doing absolutely amazing work. I listened to your most recent episode about networking outside, and you were so on point. I was, I was um, 
taking a walk around the neighborhood. I was really talking out loud, like, yup, 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 that's on point. So now I really enjoy your platform as well. Thank I think you. you're doing great things and I see you, girl. I wish you nothing but the best in your whole endeavors. Yeah, same, sis. I do the same thing. I'm like, I literally, because right now I'm like in between jobs. I'm looking for a new job. And like, I use podcasts. That's what I listen to, music and podcasts to get myself through. So, and I was telling you, I listened to your latest episode about the celebrities, like people being obsessed. And I was crying laughing because you are so hilarious. I just love the real and rawness. I'm just crying laughing. Like, she is on point. Like, I'm cracking up though. And that's when I hit you up. I was like, I'm, I'm at work laughing which I need because it's like misery but I'm like this is like a such a like a break for me a good break so yeah and I, I turned my friends on to it too I was like I gotta listen to this so yeah, thank you, yeah. Thank you. okay before we finish though I do have a question for you are you still not eating meat okay yes girl and I am struggling okay I'm I struggling. Was struggling I think I, I think towards the end you're like oh oh my god I'm losing my voice um Oh my God, I think I need, I need meat. I was dying. Like, girl, that is not the reason why you ain't got you. <laughs> girl, I missed. Oh my God. So I start, I was like, so what I wanted to do was I want to lose weight. So I figure for me, I feel like I, cause I just been like out of control with it eating. I'm not even gonna lie. I've been eating ridiculously. So I was like, I'm gonna jumpstart this and I'm just going to take meat and sweets and stuff away. Well, I right. must've just did it too, too cold Turkey because I've been going through it. Like a person on drugs, get thrown withdrawals. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you added anything back in to kind of like do it a little bit at a time? Cause honestly, I'm on the same journey right now. I'm doing meat, but I'm trying <laughs> not to do red meat or not too much but you right. know yes I so um I actually hit my friend up Asia and I because she's a vegan and so I was like okay she probably knows some good things because I think what was happening was I was I literally the first day wasn't I didn't have much to eat at all and my body probably was like oh hell no so yeah. I was trying to figure out to you know add back in the nutrients that I'm needing because I felt like I had a headache lightheaded I was like oh no I gotta do yes. something you can't do cold turkey that's one thing people say like that's never gonna work out but yeah I'm feeling much better now because I done tweaked a couple things like last night I had like some salmon some spinach and a little bit of mashed potatoes so so my blood sugar is going back up I'm good Good. <laughs> yeah we gonna get this weight down because I'm on the same day we gonna we do it, it. We gotta do it at the right pace. I know, right? I just was like, I'm, I just like, like, I'm doing this right now. And my body was like, oh, <laughs> sis, you about to be in the hospital somewhere. Right, right. <laughs> yes. But listen, before you leave, you know, I got to get you to do, unpack your box, you know, where you get a minute oh. to say whatever you want to say, whatever is on your chest. Oh, this is, okay. Well, um, I don't know what kind of box I want to unpack today, but. <laughs> I guess I'll let y'all know one where to find me, uh, my platform, which is on Instagram at the underscore Rosie R O S E Y underscore perspective. If you find me there, you find all my links to everywhere else. I just want to, again, thank you for allowing me to come on your platform. I just want to reiterate to the black community. Yes, we need outside people to help us do the work, but we also need to do the work within our community as well. And again, you know, if you know anything, if you could help somebody's family or you can help, you know, do the right thing, then I think that you should definitely consider doing the right thing and helping somebody else, you know, uh, get closure for any situation, whether it is a murder like my sister's situation, or whether it's just you doing the right thing in general. 
So yes, thank you again for having me on. Yes, you're so welcome, sis. Make sure y'all tap in. Listen to the Rosie Perspective show. It's so good, y'all. Make sure you subscribe and listen and support everything sis is doing. And yes, speak up, you guys. Come on, we got to help each other out, right? We all we got, and that's real. All right, y'all, we out. Wait, before you leave, keep up with your girl on Instagram at unpacking underscore the underscore box underscore podcast. You can click the link in my bio over there and it will direct you to every single thing that I am doing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be well.